You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Happy Mother's Day to all the women. And man, this is a, this is a complex day for pastors. So I'm just going to kind of give you just a little bit of insight as, as pastors usually prepare for this week because there's, there's a room full of mothers here who have experienced a lot of different experiences. There's a room of, of people who enjoy this day. And then there's a, a group of people who don't really enjoy this day, right? It's a tough day for some women. Some women who have tried to become moms who just haven't had that gift given to them quite yet. Some who have maybe lost a child. Some who have lost a mother. And it's just a difficult day for some. So, man, my prayer, my heart for all of us in this room this morning is that we're encouraged by who God is and that we can take our next steps of faith together. Man, but with all that being said, if you are a woman in this room, and there is a good bit of amazing, beautiful women sitting in this room. If you are a woman in this room, we do have a gift for you. If you didn't receive that gift when you came in, please stop at the Welcome Center on your way out. Grab that. It's just a little something from us. Um, we, we struggle to figure out what mom's like because it always changes, right? And all women are different. So um, I gave this task to someone else this year. I did not try to figure this out on my own. So if you don't like it, I will give you the name of the person who, who came up with this idea. If you do like it, I did play some part in this gift. But man, I'm glad to see you guys. I'm glad you're here. And we're just going to dive in to Scripture this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to see how the Bible mentions a lot of women. And then we're going to see what we can take away from some of these stories. We're going to see how we, not just women, but we as human beings, as image bearers of God, how we can truly begin to take these next steps of faith and be who God has called us to be. That's what it's about, right? It's about us getting closer to Jesus so then we become more like Him. So let's pray, and then we're just going to dive in. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And I pray that you speak this morning through your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, there's a little boy who went to a wedding, and... After the service, his mother asked him, hey, son, I don't know his name. Hey, son, how many women can a man marry? And the little boy is excited because he knows the answer. And he says, 16. And this mom is shocked. And she's like, what are you talking about? I know I didn't raise you that way. He said, it's pretty simple. If you listen to the pastor, he said, four better, four worse, four richer, four Poor. See, kids are crazy, right? So the, these parents that are, that are trying to raise these kids up, man, they are a handful. I saw a church sign, and it said this. It said, if evolution is true, how come mothers still only have two hands? Right? Man, moms are always doing stuff. And I'm not trying to, to exclude the, the fathers in this room or anything like that, but today is Mother's Day. So we're going we're gonna to honor the women in this room. And I know my kids, and they are beautiful, and they are amazing, and they are gifts from God. But they are hellions sometimes. And they always want mama. It's not daddy. 
It's mama, I want mama, I want mama, I want mama. Where's mama? Right? And it's like, I don't know. If we could find her, I promise you we would get her. Like, she is a rock star mom. And a lot of you, man, if you could have three, four, five, six hands, man, that would be helpful for you. But moms are always dealing with crazy, crazy, crazy kids. And if you don't think your kid's crazy, then you're just not being honest with yourself. Like, all kids are crazy to a certain extent. It's just how crazy are they, right? And we try to, we try to minimize the crazy at church. That's one of the reasons we come to church and we send our kids back there. Like, maybe they can get some crazy out of these kids back there. And sometimes they do good. Sometimes my kids are still the same. Have you ever heard of Proverbs 31? Raise your hand if you've, if you've just heard of that. Not, maybe you don't know what it is, but you just you know there's a Proverbs and maybe there's a 31st chapter, right? So Proverbs 31 is what a lot of people are going to preach on this morning because it's about this, this spectacular, amazing, God-fearing woman. And I want to read just a little bit of Proverbs 31. We're not preaching on this or we're not going to talk about this, but I do want you to, to see this. The heading in my Bible says this. The woman who fears the Lord. And I'm just going to start in verse 10 and just read a few verses. It says, an excellent wife who can find. She's making sure no husband said amen. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. And then just jump down to verse 22. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, as he praises her. Now, this is a lot. It's a lot of cool, amazing stuff. O.S. Hawkins said this of the woman in Proverbs 31. said, This wonder woman gets up before dawn and stays busy until the early hours of the next morning. We have developed a mental image of her. She has the looks of a movie star, the domestic abilities of a master chef, the stamina of a world-class athlete, the intellect of a professor with a PhD, the tenacity of a political operative, the wisdom of a godly missionary, the sensitivity of Mother Teresa, the business sense of a Fortune 500 executive, the grace of an adequate expert, and the spirituality of the Virgin Mary. Wow, and then he concludes this way. No wonder so many mothers leave church feeling down on Mother's Day. Man, and I love Proverbs 31. And I'm not trying to say that Proverbs 31 isn't a good passage. I think it's really, it's really powerful. It's, a, it's an image of a God-fearing woman. But a lot of times, people that are sitting in rooms like this say, hey, well, I'm not anywhere close to that type of person. That, that doesn't describe me. So if this is what a God-fearing woman looks like, if this is what moms are supposed to be like, then I'm failing. And I'm afraid that a lot of times mothers leave church on Mother's Day and while they're encouraged with a gift and everybody honors them, man, they're so discouraged by what they hear from the pulpit because 
the pastor is trying to get them to become a Proverbs 31 type woman. My goal this morning is not for you to feel inadequate. My goal is for us to know that we are inadequate without God. And that if we want to become the person that God wants us to be, then we have to be filled with the Spirit more and more and more. So what we're going to do is we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 this morning. And you're like, man, you just read a lot of verses. You're getting, you're getting a little heavy with Scripture. That's good, right? Amen. At Matthew 1, really quick, says this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now, I know that we usually don't read the genealogy on Sunday mornings, okay? And it's a lot of crazy names, and it's a lot of what is happening right now. Why is this important? But what I want to point out is there are four women mentioned in these six verses, in the genealogy of the Savior of the world, there are four women mentioned. Just in case you didn't pick up on their names, because there was a lot. Number one is Tamar. Number two is Rahab. Number three is Ruth. And then we see the wife of Uriah, who we know to be Bathsheba. So four women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And what I believe this morning is that if we can look at just a quick Netflix and synopsis of, of these women that we can understand how they could have made certain decisions and maybe they would not have ended up in the genealogy. But because of decisions that they did make, we see their names right here in Matthew chapter 1. And what is my least favorite part of the Bible to read is genealogy. Because it's a bunch of names. And it's like, I don't even know who these people are. I'm going to help you this morning understand who these people are. Number one is Tamar. Now you have to go all the way back to Genesis 38 to see her. I'm not going to read those verses. I'm just going to tell you the story. She married this dude named Ur. Everybody say Ur. Ur, that's good. It's like a bunch of hungry, growling people out there. So she married this dude named Ur. Ur is a wicked man. He dies. They don't have any kids, right? And the law said, hey, you got to have a kid so you can carry on the family name. So when Ur died, the father said, hey, so here's the next son in line. You have a baby with him and you just keep going. The next son's name is Onan. It's like a wrestler. I don't know if you ever watched wrestling, but Conan was one of my favorites. He tucked his shirt into his boxers and had a bandana, whatever. It doesn't matter, but he was one of my favorite wrestlers. So Onan marries her. He doesn't want to have a baby with her because he knows that it's really not, and it's not for him. It's just for the family to keep going. So he does some shady stuff, and it's wicked in the eyes of God, and God kills him. So she's a widow again. So the father is like, hey, so she's the reason that my kids keep dying. So she's being judged internally by this family. Hey, my kids keep dying because of something she's doing. 
And it's really the guys who are just messing up, right? Amen, women. Guys do that a lot. So he has another son, and he says, hey, he's too young to marry, so why don't, you, why don't you go live here? When he's of age, I will send him to you. And then Scripture tells us that he never intended to allow his third son to marry her. So what does she do? So here she has all this stuff building up inside of her. She's supposed to have a kid to keep the family name alive. Her first husband, gone. Her second husband, gone. She realizes that, hey, when, when, this, when Shayla gets old enough, the third son, she's not being given to him. So she is comparing herself, right, to this is how things are supposed to be. Things are, are not going right. How many of you have ever felt that, right? Things just aren't going right. Things are supposed to be a little different. So she takes matters into her own hands. Her father-in-law, his wife dies. So she goes and she takes off her widow clothes, which I don't even know what that is, right? But she takes off her widow clothes. She puts on a veil. She hides herself and she sets up at the gate of this place and disguises herself as a prostitute. Her father-in-law comes by, sees her, says, hey, I want you. So they do the, the kind of stuff, right, that, that people have to do to have babies. And then, man, they realize that she gets pregnant. Word gets back to her father-in-law. Hey, your daughter-in-law, she, she prostituted herself out, and now she's pregnant. And Judah, the father-in-law, he's mad. He's like, well, send her to the city. Let's burn her outside just to show everybody that you don't do this. But here's what she did. She made him give her some stuff, right, when they hooked up. She said, hey, how are you going to pay for this? He said, I'll send you this amazing goat. And she's like, yeah, but until then, I need something as some kind of collateral. So he gives her a seal, a staff. So when she's called to go get burned, she sends this seal and the staff and says, hey, show this to my father-in-law and see if he knows whose it is. Well, he did, right? It was his. And he's like, wow, yeah, so we don't really want to burn her. Um, so they end up getting married. Here's the deal. She took matter into her own hands because she was comparing herself to what the standard of society was at that time. And I'm just... I'm convinced that we wait on God for a little while, but then when He doesn't come through, we begin to take matters into our own hands. We begin to do things to try to speed up some process that we think is necessary when God is saying, hey, just wait, I have my finger on the plan. But so often we get so selfish and we get in a hurry to where we want to fix things we want to make things happen and i don't know if you've ever been there in your life but i've been there where i've tried to speed some things up i've tried to make things happen when god was saying hey just wait just wait on me here's some traps that we can fall into number one is this we let we let comparison lead to compromise and we really do because we, we have these standards, right, that we really think that we're living by. And usually there's some type of biblical moral standard, which is good. I'm not telling you not to have standards. We should. Jesus, right, is the standard. Perfection, holiness. But those standards seem to go out the window or we begin to compromise when we start comparing ourselves 
with other people. And we talk about this a lot, but we always compare everybody else's highlight reels with our behind the scenes. Because all we see is what anybody wants us to see. Right? Think about social media. Who has a Facebook? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand high. Who has an Instagram? Who has a Twitter? Yeah, not many. I don't either. Who has a TikTok? Okay. So, I I don't really know what most of those are except Facebook and Instagram. And I see pictures all the time of people having a blast, right? They're, they're having fun. They're on vacation. Um, their kids are always smiling for pictures. There's a lot of stuff happening. It's like we're doing something wrong, right? Because we see their highlight reels, and all we see for us is the behind the scenes. We see what's happening behind the camera. We don't see their behind the camera. But we begin to compare. And for parents, man, this is something that happens a lot. This is a struggle. Because we see what other parents are doing for their kids, with their kids. We see how their kids maybe behave and ours don't behave that well. Or maybe ours do behave really well and theirs don't. So we think that we're better. There's just a lot of comparison happening. And when that happens, we begin to compromise the standard. And the standard is always, always, always Jesus. And we see that if we begin to compromise, then man, so much starts to go wrong in our life. You compromise one time. Let me talk to the, the, to the dads a second. We, our kids are, they're just pretend like they're being really bad. And your kids may not be like that, but just pretend that your kids are being really bad. And you just compromise just a little bit because you want them to hush, Right? They're screaming, they're having a meltdown, they really want a piece of candy, and you're like, nope, no candy before dinner, and they're just screaming. And you finally get to a point where it's like, okay, we're going to cut this piece of candy in half, and you can have half before dinner, you can have the other half after dinner, and that, that starts the downfall. The spiral begins to to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm guilty of this, because if they could just stop screaming, they can have whatever they want. You want your mama's car? Go get your mama's car. Like, I don't care. Just stop screaming. And we begin to compromise as parents. And then the next time it happens, they're expecting us to compromise because we've already done it. And then the more we compromise, the easier it gets for us to compromise. And this isn't just true with parenting. This is true as Christ followers. When we begin to compromise... It gets easier the next time to compromise. It gets easier the next time to compromise. Man, and we do this with sin often. That, hey, if we just do it this one time, and maybe not all the way, we just go a little bit of the way, it'll be okay, and we compromise. And then the next time, we go a little farther, and a little more, and a little farther, and a little more. And before we know it, man, we've spiraled out of control because of that one bit of compromise that we allowed to seep in to our life. Now we can't compromise on the Word of God, and the Word of God holds us to perfection. Now again, I never want you to think that I'm telling you that you have to do this and do that. What I'm telling you is you have to seek after Jesus with everything that you are, because without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, 
you will compromise every time. You're not strong enough not to do it on your own. We need the Spirit of God. Number two is we see Rahab. I don't know if you know anything about her or not, but she was also a prostitute. That's how she was listed in Scripture. Rahab the prostitute. And then we see later in life in Hebrews 11 where there's like this, this, this hall of fame for faith. She's included in that with Moses, with Abraham. Rahab is included. We see in James chapter 2 that he brings up the faith of Rahab. So how can this happen? How can someone who lived life a certain way and made bad decisions and lived apart from God, how can they then be used by God to do some amazing things and be included in the genealogy of Jesus? So just a little backstory. What she did is she Joshua sent some spies to her house. She hid the spies. The king's men came in, said, hey, we know that these people are here. She was like, nope, they were here. They're gone. So not only was she a prostitute, she was a liar. She lied to the, it was a good reason, but she was still a liar, right? And then we see that because of her faith, because she could be put to death just like that for lying, for, for holding these spies, but we see because of her faith, her life changed. But even when she's mentioned later in Scripture, the moniker prostitute is still there. And what I'm afraid is that a lot of times we let the past dictate our future. And because of the things that we've done in the past, we don't think that God can use us in the future. And I want to encourage someone this morning to let you know that your past doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. Man, so many times we get caught up in this, this idea of if you just knew how bad of a person I was, or if you knew the things that I did, the things I said, the, the people I hurt, the, the way that I raised my kids, if you just knew that, then you would not ever say that God could use me and love me. And here's the truth. God knows that we're all wicked, sinful people. And He still sent Jesus on a rescue mission for us. And the past doesn't dictate the future. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past because God redeems you. Man, when He steps up and He says, it is finished, paid in full, it counted for you. And paid in full means that, hey, all of that sin, all of that past, that has been forgiven. The debt for that is gone because I have paid it. Don't live life allowing your past to dictate your future. God is so much bigger than that. And that's really what it does is it limits God. It, it puts God in some box to say, hey, well, because I did this, God can't use me. And God is sitting out here everywhere, the creator of the universe, saying, hey, get me out of the box because I'll show you that I can use you and I want to use you. And don't let your past dictate your future. The, the third person we see here is Ruth. And Ruth, man, she... She's such a sweet, sweet woman. Well, she was. She's dead. But she was a sweet, sweet woman. And I say this because she really loved her mother-in-law. 
And you got to be a sweet, sweet woman, right, to love your mother-in-law. Or a sweet, sweet man, whatever, whichever way you want to go with that. But her husband died. The, the mother-in-law said, hey, go back, live with your family. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving you. I want to be with you. I want to go where you go. Okay, well, come on. So she goes, right? And here's the, here's the whole thing with Ruth. She, she's from Moab, right? So she is like a, a ugly, sinful, these people, they just don't fit in. And the circumstance of her life was, I can just be complacent in this moment, right? And this is a lot of times what we do is we allow the circumstances, we let those lead to complacency. Now she could have just, just said, you know what, he died, I'm going back and I'm just going to just live the rest of my years and do nothing. But she didn't do that. She said, I'm going to go with my mother-in-law. She goes, she works in a field, she meets this dude Boaz, and everything turns out great. There's a lot more to that story, but I just want to give you a quick version, and this is why it's important. It's important because she could have just sat back and done nothing. But she chose to go and to be used. And then she finds the true God and her life is forever changed. We see that in, when you read the story of Ruth, she's redeemed. Man, how awesome is it to be redeemed? Man, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And if you are following after Him and you've put your faith and your trust in Him, then you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus as well. And that changes everything. But what happens a lot of times is we allow these circumstances in life to hold us down and make us become complacent. And we think that this complacency is just normal, and it's not, because God doesn't call us to complacency. God calls us to action. And the action that He calls us to is to love Him. Pastor Andrew talked last week about bringing Him glory. Man, that is the number one action. That is why we were created, is to bear His image and to give glory to Him. And how many of you are doing that in your life? Or how many of you have allowed the circumstances or the past to hold you back from doing what God has called you to do? Here's the last person. It says the wife of Uriah, and we know that that's Bathsheba. And just a quick story of Bathsheba. If you don't know, King David was, was out. He saw this beautiful woman. And he's like, hey, I really want her. So go get her and bring her to me. It's like, man, that's just not how it works. Back then, that's how it worked, right? Doesn't work like that now. Don't try that. Just not going to work for you. If it does, it's not going to end well. But he goes and he gets her. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. She's married to Uriah. He's fighting for King David. So when David finds out she's pregnant, he puts Uriah on the front line so that he would be killed. He is killed. So Bathsheba's just distraught because her husband's gone. And then King David takes her and marries her. Right? Just another quick, brief synopsis of that story. But because of the sin, 
Man, God says, hey, this child is going to die. Man, and I can't imagine that as a, as a father or a mother losing a kid. But she had to endure that because of the sin. Now, a lot of people, they blame David for this, and I'm cool with that because he is most at fault, but it does take two people to commit adultery, right? So even if she wasn't actively searching for a relationship, she did indulge in a relationship. But God still uses her because then they have a son named Solomon. Man, and he is, he's great. And we see at the end of her life that she is seated or she is seated at the right hand of the king, her son. And she's a respected lady. She's a, a mom who is revered. She is this, this just strong presence when scripture talks about her. But man, I can't imagine the pain that she had to deal with because of the things going on in her life. And this is the fourth thing. We let the pain dictate our purpose and how God's going to use us. Because we get so hurt that we think that it's all over. Or that, man, we're just not good enough. Or we, we need something else to, to come about and God says, hey, I'm enough, right? My grace is enough. So here's, here's the four things really quick. I'm going to say these again. We let comparison lead to compromise. We let the past dictate our future. We let circumstances lead to complacency and we let the pain dictate our purpose. With all that said, this is what I want you to know. I want you to know that at one point or another, you're going to face all of these. You're going to compare yourself to other people. And it's just going to happen. And if you read the, the video this morning, man, one of the things said, I often compare myself to other people. Oh, and by the way, I never measure up. I'm never good enough. I'm never as good as they are. And a lot of times as parents, that's how we feel. That we're just not good enough. We don't measure up. We're all going to fall into that comparison trap at some point in time. We're all going to look at our past and say that God can't use me. And God is saying, hey, yes, I can. And yes, I will. Just let me. Just give your life to me. Don't let your past dictate your future. Some of us are going to allow our circumstances to just hold us down. We're just going to be complacent in life. We're going to go through life. We're going to come to church on Sunday mornings, which is fantastic. I'm glad that you do that. But then when we leave, we're just going to sit and live a complacent life. It's called mediocrity. That's something that growing up playing baseball, that was not okay, right? You could not be mediocre. You didn't have to be the best, but you better work the hardest. Man, and that's how I feel about being a Christ follower. I might not be the best Christ follower, but I'm going to give everything that I have to Jesus. And man, it's not about being the best. It's about being as close to Him as we can be. But we get complacent because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And then sometimes we just allow the pain to get so deep that we don't think there's any hope or any purpose for our life. Some of you may be sitting here right now dealing with one of these four things. 
And I'm going to encourage you with, with this as we close this morning. I want to, I want to think back to, to Mary, the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I want us to think back to when the angel appeared to her and said, hey, you're going to be with child. And she's a little confused, like, well, how's that going to happen? Because I've never done anything to be with child. And he's like, yeah, so about that, it's going to be God's. Congratulations, right? And then what does she say? And we, we talk about this here. But she says, hey, whatever you want, right? Basically, she says, I'm submitting to you, whatever your will is. I'm your servant. So if we really want to be a woman of God, a man of God, number one is we have to submit willingly to him. We have to say, hey, I'm your servant, whatever you want. Does it sound crazy? Maybe it does sound crazy. Does it sound, would it sound crazy to you, woman in this room? I'm not calling you woman like in a derogative way, but the women in this room. Would it be crazy to you if an angel appeared to you and said, you're going to be with child? And you're like, yeah, not happening. How is that going to happen? It can't happen. For one, I can't have any more kids or I'm not married. I'm not doing anything to have kids, whatever it is. And he's like, yeah, so it's going to be God's. Uh, the Spirit's going to just put the baby inside of you, and you'd be like, yeah, right. Like, that ain't happening. Do you know who I am? Right? Some of y'all would say that. Amen? Some of y'all would be like, yeah, I don't think you know me. You don't, you don't want God's baby inside of me. Even when it sounds crazy, we have to be willing to submit to God. Because He doesn't always call us to do something that sounds normal or that's comfortable for us. Oftentimes, He calls us to do something way out of our comfort zone because guess what that does? It causes us to know that it's Him, to rely on Him, and then when the results come, it was nothing we did. He gets all the glory because it's all Him. Man, we have to be willing to submit to whatever He's telling us to do. And if you want to be a woman that fears the Lord, then you submit willingly to God. And you could go and read Proverbs 31 if you want. And again, I'm not bashing that. It's a, it's a great chapter. But man, if you want to be a woman who fears the Lord, then submit to God. Just submit to Him. If He tells you to do something, do it. If it sounds crazy, do it anyway. And we just have to be willing to submit. And this is, this is how I want to end this to encourage you moms. That you never relinquish the title. You don't give the title up. We see when Jesus is on the cross, His mom is there. And I want you to think about this as a mom, as a dad. I want you to think about when that, when that baby's born. Some of you are counting fingers and toes to make sure they have all of them. Some of you, if you're like me, you're like, I did not want to see that. You should have called me in later after the baby was cleaned up. What is happening? Is this, real? Is this a human? It is. I'm not ready, right? And then you hold the baby. They're all wrapped up in this 
blanket, and if you're at university, we all have the same blanket. Congratulations. We'll sell it on eBay in 10 years. But man, this little baby's just sitting there, and they're maybe crying, maybe not. Their eyes are always squinty. And I was like, that ain't mine. It was, I think. But man, these little babies, you take them home, and they cry, and they cuddle, and they cry, and they cry, and they do a lot of stuff, right? And they cry. There's just a lot. There's a lot. But man, then you watch these little these little suckers grow up. And I was 25 years old when I had my first kid. She's 10. Dang. So now you know how old I am. I didn't think that through very much. But man, she's 10 years old. And I've watched her grow up from a little tiny baby. And guys can say little tiny because we don't feel anything that comes out or anything like that. So they're all tiny to us. Little tiny baby. She grows up. She's walking. She's talking. She's playing. Now she's like mothering because we have a three-year-old and it's like, hey, go make your brother breakfast. Go uh, get your brother dressed. Go do this for your brother. And she's like, again, I'm not his mama. Like, well, your mom's not here. So, you know, I need a backup plan. It's you. Um, but man, I, I just think about this. Think about Mary. Jesus is 33 years old, thereabout, and he is hanging on a cross. And his mother is there. Because guess what? She was still mom. She didn't relinquish the title. And I want you to know that no matter how bad it gets, that you're still mom. You're still dad. And even when they move away, you're still mom. You don't relinquish the title. Man, and wear that title with pride and with honor. And when you think you're screwing everything up, just know that so is everybody else. So is everybody else. Nobody's doing it perfect. The difference is Man, we have a heavenly Father who loves us enough to guide us in the process. We just have to submit willingly. And there's going to be a day that I walk, well, at least one of my daughters down the aisle, and she's going to get married, and I'm going to give her to some dude. And man, we're going to grill him like crazy. But he's he's going to be there. There's going to be a lot of quote-unquote uncles that take him out a few times probably before the wedding. Man, I'm going to give her away. Her name's going to change. But guess what? I'm still going to be dad. And when you do that, you're still going to be mom. And if you have a broken relationship with your kid or with your mom, I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you to fix that relationship. Maybe they haven't been the greatest mom to you. And I'm not telling you that you have to bring them back into your life. But what I'm telling you is that if there's resentment, if there's unforgiveness, that will do nothing but tear you down. And God wants you to be free of that. He wants you to be free of that burden, free of that resentment, free of that unforgiveness. This morning, 
God is calling people to submit willingly to Him. And understand that, man, let's get off, let's get off the mom topic for just a second, but understand that we never relinquish the title of Jesus follower. That's who we are. Man, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we are Jesus followers. Man, and that is something special. We are image bearers of the Most High God. Are you bearing His image? Are you bearing the image of God? And if the answer is no, then there's a next step of faith for you to take. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.